thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. You know, I, I want to I share my heart with you guys today. This is so unusual um, for all of us. You know, we're all in the same boat together. But I want to ask you a question. What do these dates have in common? August the 2nd, 1990. April the 2nd, 1982. December the 7th, 1941. September the 1st, 1939. Maybe there's someone in the room right now that says, I know, I know. That, that, you, know you know, the one that, the annoying one that knows everything or the one that's great in a pub quiz. Uh, and actually, maybe you want to interact now and someone, the first one to kind of text in on, 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 the, on, the, uh, on, on the platform there, you know, you're not going to get a prize, nothing. But you know, the, 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 what those dates have in common is they're all dates of invasions. They're all dates of invasions. The Kuwait invasion, the Falklands invasion, Pearl Harbor and Poland. And you know, I, I don't know whether you've ever been through an invasion, but what would it feel like to be through an invasion? What were some of the words that you might use to describe what it feels like? Fear, panic, alarm, anger, insecurity, uncertainty. But you know, there are other kinds of invasions as well. In fact, just about 100 years ago, there was the Spanish flu that invaded many parts of the world. In 1854, there was a cholera outbreak. It was huge. The Great Plague of 1666, the bubonic plague of 1527. You might think, I haven't really switched to tune on for a history lesson. But I want you to know that the church in every single one of those invasions, whether it was a war invasion, whether it was a sickness or a disease, the church has been through every single one of those invasions. And we're hearing the word a lot at the moment, unprecedented. What we're going through right now with coronavirus is not unprecedented. It may be unprecedented for us. And it feels and it is like we are off the map. We're in uncharted waters, but it's not unprecedented. We've had times like this before and the church has responded magnificently in times of invasion. When invasion comes, what do we do? And it feels, I don't know about you, but it feels like an invasion where we're in our homes, where you know, everything's missing on the, you know, we go into the, into the supermarket and, and, and where, are, where is everything? And, and it feels unusual and it feels uncertain. We don't know how long it will be. We don't know what will happen to our loved ones and those that we care about. And if you're a person of faith today, you're thinking, and where's God in all of this? And I get all of that. And I just want to do my best this morning, I'll say this morning, might be later on when you're watching it. I want to do my best to communicate what we can do when invasion comes. How do we react when invasion comes? And I want to take you to um, a story in the Old Testament, which is the first half of the Bible. It's the, it's, the, it's the bit before Jesus, but it's a story and we're not going to get kind of concerned about what happens here with people getting killed and armies and battles. It's Old Testament. It's hard to understand all of that. I think God wants to bring some things out of that and apply it to us. So it's in a book called the book of Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Um, and it's going to come up on the screen. Here's the first couple of verses. It says this, After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Mayanites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the king. He was the leader at the time. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you. You've got to understand, this was a normal day for Jehoshaphat. 
just like a normal day, and all of a sudden he hears that three armies have come together and they're all descending and they're right outside the city. They're on their way. This is imminent. This is an invasion. What started out as a normal, ordinary day suddenly doesn't feel like a normal, ordinary day any longer. I don't know about you, but no day feels a normal day at the moment, does it? And it feels like this invasion is coming at us and we don't know what to do. Life itself can be like that. That day when you get that phone call and everything changes. That day when you go into the doctor's uh, surgery and, and, and there's some test results and everything changes. That day when you, you look at the bank balance and everything changes. That day when you, your boss brings you in and says, hey, because of what's happening, you're gonna lose your job and everything changes and it feels like an invasion and you get an invasion of fear and uncertainty and insecurity. And then coronavirus comes and people start panic buying and the schools are getting shut down and, and shops and businesses and every one of us is in that situation when nothing feels ordinary or normal or usual any longer. What a week it's been for us as a church. What a week it's been for me and for our family. You know, last Sunday, the 15th of March, we gathered together and even though we were like 200 people less than normally gathered together, there were still a lot of us that came and we didn't know whether this would be our last Sunday or not. I mean, you know, last Sunday was Compassion Sunday for us and we launched a project where we partnered with Compassion to sponsor kids in a rural community in Tanzania. And I have to say, and I might get emotional right now, I have to say that our guys sponsored nearly 100 children, nearly 100 children a week ago. And that means that nearly 100 children will get lifted out of poverty and get given hope and a future. That was just last Sunday. And then on Monday, it was obvious that we weren't gonna be able to meet together. And so we made that decision. Then on Tuesday, it was my mother's funeral. And so we said goodbye to my mom. And, um, and then Wednesday, Thursday is a bit of a blur and here we are. It's been an incredible week. And here we are on Mother's Day. And it feels like an invasion. And, but when invasion comes, what do you do? Well, guys, I want to give you 10 things. I know normally I don't do 10 points, but I thought, hey, you're not going anywhere. You've got nothing else to do. So sit back. I've got 10 points for you. It won't be that long. I'm only joking. What do you do when invasion comes? Number one, you have to embrace it. You have to embrace it. L look at what it says uh, in the Bible here. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. That word alarm literally means he was full of fear. He didn't deny it. He didn't pretend it didn't exist. It didn't pretend it wasn't coming. He embraced it. Guys, this is happening. We have to embrace it. But I want you to know that when you embrace it, part of that embracing is that it does come with some fear. It does come with some fear. You know, it, this is the king and he had this news and, and he had some fear. I want you to know, you know, I'm a leader of a church. I've got a little bit of fear as well. I, I don't even, can't even begin to imagine what the leaders of our nations are going through right now. We have to make some decisions about what to do with church and how to reach people and connect people and that's important. Some of these guys and girls across the world have to make decisions over, like in India, a billion people. And please, if you're a person of faith, please pray for our leaders. This is not the time to start criticizing or getting political. It's so easy to be critical and cynical. It's easy and it's cheap. Let's be better than that. And so as we embrace it, we've got to embrace the fact that with an invasion comes some fear. And I want you to know 
We've got some of that as well. I know there's a lot of fear out there. There's some fear in here too. We've got some fear as well. But we're not going to be led by fear or driven by fear because we've got faith. But that doesn't mean we don't have some fear. And we absolutely do. It's where fear takes us that's the key. And that's the second thing that I want you to know. The second thing is go to God first. So after he heard the news and he was alarmed, the Bible says he went straight to God. And in the Amplified Version of the Bible, verse 3 says, Then Jehoshaphat feared and set himself determinedly as his vital need to seek the Lord. So it isn't like fear or faith. It's like he was fearful, but he took the fear to God. He went to God with the fear. He didn't just hold on to the fear. And that's so important. So where are you going to turn to, guys? Those of you that are watching here and and listening and tuning in, where are you going to turn to? Maybe you're on the other side of the world. Maybe you're connected to another church. Maybe you're part of our church, Life Central. Or maybe you don't have a church and you're not a person of faith. Listen, we all have some fear. It's where does fear take us? And if you're a person of faith, fear should take you to God first. I want to encourage you. In this new season, in this unusual season when invasion has come, we have got to establish some new rhythms. I want to encourage you guys. Begin the day with God, not with the news. End the day with God, not with the news. In between, watch the news, listen, make yourself informed. But don't bookend your day with the news. Bookend your day with God. It's so important. And I want to say on Thursday, um, we're going to have a, a little prayer um, uh, online event here at 6.30 to 7. We're looking at other ways to engage with people so that we can help people go to God first. It's so important. Third thing that I want to share is this. I think you've got to choose to connect. You've got to choose to connect. After he'd gone to God, he connected people. And this is what it says in verse 4. It says, The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Now, here's the challenge. He brought them together. We can't do that, but we can still connect. You see, we've still got to find ways to connect with each other. The challenge is, how do we come together? Well, you know, in the world in which we live in, we have all these digital tools, the online service. So Thursday, we can connect together from our our houses and we can pray and worship together. Our connect groups, our small groups are going to start connecting this week uh, on Zoom. And so we'll be able to connect with one another. And, And you know, if you're in a church somewhere else, I want to encourage you to connect with other people. If you're not in a church, I'd encourage you to connect with other people. It's so important. Um. We, we also, you know, we want to call you. I, I, I um, called a few of our elderly and vulnerable people yesterday on the phone. Uh, and we're a, a larger church. And so I don't get to, to meet a lot of these guys uh, personally a lot of the time. Some of them didn't know me that well. But it was so great just to call them on the phone. Uh, and um, I hope I encourage them. But they really encouraged me. And I want to encourage you. Let's get some new rhythms and let's choose to connect. Separated does not have to mean isolated. It really doesn't. And so even on the platform that you're watching this on now, you can start to connect with us as a church. You can start to fill in a database form. You can say, I want to be in a connect group. You can ask for prayer. You can choose to connect, but you have to do that when invasion comes. Number four, get your vision clear. Oh, this is so hard. This is so hard. 
You know, we're all reeling with what's happening. We're all reeling with trying to react and respond. How do we get our vision clear when we can't see anything in front of us? Let's just read a few verses. Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard. And he said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Hmm. This is so interesting. What, what Jehoshaphat does is he, he reminds the people, hey, let's get our vision clear of who God is. God, you are still the God of heaven. Listen, there is no cobra meeting going on in heaven. God is not in shutdown. God is not in lockdown. God is not in self-isolation. Nothing has changed in heaven. And we have to get our vision clear. God is still God. And that phrase, uh, you're the God who is in the heavens, reminds me of that, um, of the Lord's Prayer. And we sang it right at the start of our service. You know, it says, our Father who is in heaven. And in the original language that says, our Father who is in the heavens. It's literally, um, it kind of means who is, who is in the air around us, who is in the atmosphere. He's closer than the air that you breathe. Guys, God is closer than the air that you breathe right now. He's not up there. He's in there. He's in your room. He's in this room. He's in your heart. He's in your office. He's in your family. He is closer than the air that you breathe. He is not in lockdown. He is not in shutdown. He is not self-isolating. God is still God. And then I think that Jehoshaphat encourages them to look at what God's done. In the next verse, he tells stories of what God's done before. He reminds the people of Israel, hey, we've been through tough times before. This invasion may be new, but us being invaded is not unprecedented. This coronavirus may be new to us, but the earth being invaded by a disease or by a challenge like this is not unprecedented. We have been here before. And then we come up to a key verse, and this is such a key verse in verse 12. And I know I shouldn't say this, okay, at a time like this, but I wanna show you one of the biggest butts in the Bible, all right? I wanna show you a really big butt in the Bible today. And here it comes in verse 12. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That butt is so important, isn't it? We don't know what to do but our eyes are on you. Guys, get your vision clear. I'm saying this to myself as much as to you. Let's get our vision clear. I don't know what to do. You know, tomorrow we'll be thinking as a staff team, now what do we do? And I don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you and God will give us the wisdom and I think he'll give us the keys. This is so important. So number five, and we're gonna rattle through these now. Number five, I wanna say this, lead your family well. Lead your family well. Look at what it says. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. You know, maybe you are watching this today in your living room and you've got your kids there or maybe your kids engage with some of the content that we sent out earlier. We're working on that. We'd love for your whole family to engage. We've just got to get our heads around all that. But I want to tell you, lead your family well in a time like this. Lead your family well. You know, I want to encourage you, you know, if for, for, we always say Sunday is important that we gather as a family. It's still important that you gather as a family around God and around God's Word and around God's people. We just got to do it differently now. So I want to encourage you to do that. 
You know, maybe get them up and get them dressed and get ready and, you know, get focused and get in position where we're not just switching the TV on, but we're engaging with God and we're connecting with one another. Lead your family really well. I'm so proud of our next gen team, our youth team and our kids team who are, who are working out how they can engage with your young people and how they can do an online um, you know, uh, chat with, with one individual who may be struggling. How can we do that safely and appropriately? And we're working on all of that. And I'm so proud of the guys for all that they're doing. We're sending content out to you so that you can take that content. But guys, listen, this was always a partnership deal. We were never, ever going to be able to bring your kids up spiritually without your help. This is a partnership. And we need that partnership now more than ever. We'll provide some content. We'll provide some inspiration. We'll provide some ideas. But you need to lead your family well through this season. It's so important. And then number six, I want to say this. Stay open to God's voice. In the next couple of verses, we won't read them. Um, as, as he gathers them together and he gathers them in together in families, God speaks prophetically through somebody. Now, let me just say a, a word of caution here, okay? There's going to be a lot of prophetic stuff going around the internet, all right? And if you're not a person of faith and you, don't, you think, what's prophetic mean? There are going to be people out there who say, oh, this is what this means and this is what God's going to do and this is what's going to happen. Can I just say to you guys, be really cautious about that. Personally, I really sense God is going to do something amazing through this season, but I don't think it's for right now for us to be engaging with that. Right now, we need to engage with the fact that this is a huge deal. And people are in fear and people don't know what to do. And right now we need to engage with the humanity of what's going on around us. But we need to stay open to God's voice because God is going to speak. And He's speaking into your life and He's speaking into my life at the moment. It might be confusing, but we need to stay open to God's voice. And, and God spoke through a prophet into uh, the nation of Israel. And, and God's going to speak into our nation and into the world right now. I believe that. But we need to be cautious. Let's not go too early on big pronouncements about what all this means. Let's just stay open to the voice of God. And in fact, what God said to the people led them to the next thing, which I really want to spend a bit of time on, which is this one, number seven, face your fears. Guys, we've got to face our fears. It's okay to be afraid, but it's what we do with the fear that's important. And let's read this, this chunk because this is so interesting. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Now they were afraid and they were discouraged, but God said, oh, I get that, but you don't need to live like that. You don't need to let that drive you for the battle is not yours, but God's. Guys, we need a miracle right now as a world, don't we? We need God to move through this situation in our nation and across our world. And let me just pause, you know, some of our friends in Albania, we have a church in Albania, maybe some of you guys are watching. You know, just last November, they went through an earthquake, the biggest earthquake in the world in terms of loss of life, just starting to get their heads above. And then this happens. And I was there just a week ago, just a week ago. And I saw the beginning of the complete shutdown. And I want to say to you guys in Albania, we are with you and we are praying for you and we love you so much. And all that you're doing to be the light and salt in your nation is amazing. And across the world, this is the challenge. 
And we need to know that, that, that the battle isn't ours, it's God's. And then it says this, tomorrow, march down against them. They'll be climbing up by the pass of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. Uh, that's quite difficult to say. I think the next one, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. And I think what God's saying here is two things. Listen, it's mine, but you've got to stand firm, okay? You might have some fear, but you've got to face your fears. You need wisdom and you need faith. It's not either or, it's definitely both and. And it seems to contradict because he says, this is not your battle, it's mine, but you go out and face it. So how, how do we face it? And he says, when you go, you stand. See, standing isn't just standing, it's a posture. It's how are we gonna stand and face our fears at this time? I think standing is a posture. It's a refusal to run away. It's a refusal to retreat into self-indulgence and self-protective devices. It's standing your ground to see what God will do. Standing is also, it also means engaging with your fears. In 1527, and I referenced this earlier on, the bubonic, and I wasn't around. Can I just make that really clear, okay? I wasn't around. This is definitely history. In 1527, the bubonic plague was ravaging Europe. It's a far more deadly pandemic than coronavirus. Martin Luther, who you may have heard of Martin Luther, he's a famous uh, Christian leader. He refused to flee his town of Wittenberg in Germany, but he chose to minister to the sick, to support his neighbours and proclaim the gospel in that community. However, that does not mean he was foolish or contributed to the spread of the disease either. And I wanna to read to you some of the wise advice in the balance that he struck. And, it, and this is old language, but hopefully you can understand that there's nothing new under the sun in many ways. Listen to what he says. Very well, by God's decree, the enemy has sent us poison and deadly offal. Okay, some of you might wanna ask your parents what that means. Therefore I ask, shall God mercifully to protect us? Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance infect and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. <laughs> Amazing. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me. And I have done what is expected me to do. And so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. So what Martin Luther said is, I'm gonna face my fears like this. I'm gonna pray God, protect us and deliver us, but then I'm gonna be sensible. I'm gonna be wise. I'm gonna do what I need to do. I'm gonna distance myself. I'm gonna wash my hands. I'm gonna do all that. But listen, if there's a neighbor who's in need and I can help him, I'm gonna do that too. What you need to know is that Martin Luther lost his daughter to the plague in 1527. But he also helped an entire community find hope and help when their invasion came. I wanna say that's our response here. 
we know there are some people here in this building, okay, in, in, and we are, we are doing all we can to keep it to a minimum, to keep us distancing. And it may be as we go on into this situation that we may need to adapt and, and alter that. We know that. We're doing all we can to be wise and responsible. But we're also doing all we can to be selfless and compassionate. And we are going to open our building here in the week on the skeleton staff who are going to be kind of, you know, in different rooms because we want to man our phone, because we've set up a helpline. And we also want to, we want to, we want to staff our food bank. We know that the food bank has met three times this week. In the last two days, we have fed 200 people. There's a massive need. Uh, and so we're gonna, we've got to get this balance as we face our fears between being wise and being responsible not just for us, but for others. But at the same time, we don't want to let anyone in our community be in need. We want to respond. And so we've given out cards around the community. Some of you may have seen them. In fact, Alison and I, we wrote our names and we did our street yesterday. You don't have to write your name on it. It's got the church number. But there are thousands of those cards that we've got. And, and if you want any, then again, message one of the online pastors now and, and we'll get some to you. We'll post them or we'll deliver them and pop them on, put them outside your door. And you can give them to your neighbours. We've got to get the balance right here as we face our fears between being wise and responsible and at the same time being kind and compassionate. And we want to care for those in our community. We've got to face our fears. And then number eight, we've got to fight the battles God's way. <laughs> Let's read what it says. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites, I should have rehearsed that a little bit more, I think, stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Listen, we fight our battles through worship. You see, we fight our battles through worship. This is how I fight my battles, is what we sing. And I guess we will all be singing it as the church across the planet these next few weeks. When, I, when it feels like, when it looks like I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you. God then went and destroyed their enemy. As they went out and faced their fears, as they went out and faced the enemy, as they worshipped, then God took away the invasion. God destroyed the invasion, but they had to fight their battles and they had to do it God's way. Listen, guys, worship God. Worship God like you've never done before. Worship God in your car. Worship God in your home. You're going to be there a lot over the next few weeks and months. Learn some new songs. Read some books. Get into your Bible. Worship God. It's so important. And here we go. Number nine. We're, we're coming into land. Number nine. Meet God in the valley. This is next verse. Verse 26. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the valley of Baraka to this day. Do you know what Baraka means? Baraka means Blessing. In the valley where they should have died, it became the valley where they were blessed. And I sense in all my heart, and I know it's painful, that maybe what we're going through right now as a world, maybe in this horrible time of invasion, maybe God is going to do something in it and through it. We can't see it yet. We can't see it, but maybe, maybe we can meet God in the valley of Baraka. And that valley of despair could become the valley of blessing. Finally, number 10, okay, so it hasn't taken hours and hours. Number 10, remember, this will pass. Guys, this will pass. I don't know when. I don't think it'll be next week. I don't think it'll be next month. It won't be. I don't know when. I don't know whether it'll be three months, six months. I just don't know. Nobody knows, only God. But remember, this will 
pass. The invasion will come to an end. Verse 27 and 28. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The invasion passed. There is a day and there is a day that will come when this will pass. There is a day when we're going to come back into church buildings together and worship God together. And I am going to declare that day handshakes and hugs day. All right. I'm an extrovert. I love to hug. All right. This is really painful for me in loads of ways. But that day will come. This day will pass. The time will pass. The invasion will pass. And guys, we are going to handshake and hug each other like never before. Let me give you a final thought. What could God do? when invasion comes. You know, invasion could bring out the best and not the worst in us. This could be the finest hour for us as a church, for us as a people, even for humanity across our planet. Listen to these last few verses. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. At the end of all this, I just believe that this could be our finest hour. Could God teach us through this where to really put our trust? Could God teach us what's really important and valuable in life? Could God build in us a newfound resilience? Could this be the finest hour for us as a church, maybe as a nation, maybe as humanity across the planet? Could this be the finest hour for God? Yours is the kingdom, not mine, not ours, yours. Thousands of years ago, one king's day of invasion became a story of the king of kings and what he can do through even the worst of circumstances. When invasion comes, look up. When invasion comes, look out. And when invasion comes, hold on. This little cross, I know I've shared this with some of our guys, but... This little wooden cross is a wooden cross that my mom had when she went into hospital in January. She had stage four cancer and she's had chemotherapy and radiotherapy over this last 15 months and, and it hasn't had much effect and she knew she was at the end of her life. She went into hospital in January and she took that little cross with her and she held on to it. And then a few weeks ago, she was transferred to a hospice because they needed to try and manage the pain and, and she held on to this and as she held on to it, um, she had it in a, in, a in a hospice bed and every single person that went into the room that didn't know Jesus, she shared this cross and she shared what this cross represents with them, whether they were family and friends or, or doctors or nurses. And, and then I went to India on, on a trip and, and while I was in India, things went worse and, and it was obvious that mom was dying and she held on until I got back. And so on the Sunday, I, uh, <laughs> on the Sunday I, I flew back in and went straight to the, to the hospice. And, and as I went in, a family were there and uh, mom perked up and uh, they all said, she's not been like this for a few days. She was holding on for you to come back. And so she, she perked up and we talked and we prayed together and we, we read scripture together. We listened to worship together. And then she, and a few days later, well, she then went into a sleep and she never really recovered from that. And then a few days later, in fact, on March the 1st, um, she died. And then, and then we, um, 
few days later, I was talking with our funeral director and said, we'd love to get that cross that she was holding in her hand. And he said, we can't find it anywhere. And I said, could you check again? Could you phone your guy and, and just check in, 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 around mom, maybe where, whether it might be there? And he phoned back and he said, you'll never guess what. But when we checked around, your mama got it in her hand. And so as we peel back her fingers, she held on to that little wooden cross and she's still got it now. And you know, when I heard that, I thought, wow. My mom held on to this all the way through her life and she held on to it all the way through to her death. She held on to Jesus because Jesus is the only one that will hold on to her. And I want you to know, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus right now, you're living in some fear. We're living in some fear and we've got faith. If, you are, if you've got some fear and you don't know where to go, you need to hold on to the cross. There's not a lot else you can hold on to. We would love to introduce this Jesus to you. But if you are a person of faith, can I just say, hold on to Him. When invasion comes, we've got to look up, we've got to look out, and we've got to hold on. Guys, I want to pray for you this morning. We're going to sing a great hymn as we finish. And it is a hymn, it is an oldie, okay? But it's so important that we hold on to some of the truths of our faith. God hasn't changed. God is still the same today as He was yesterday. He'll be the same in six months' time. He'll be the same in 6,000 years' time. God doesn't change, but we need to hold on. And so I wanna pray for you right now, wherever you are. If you're in a living room, bedroom, kitchen, whatever, wherever you are right now, I wanna pray for you. And you know, if you don't know Jesus, you can get to know Him. You know, I'm so thrilled, I'm so amazed that my mom got to know Jesus as a teenager and she never let go of Him. And she's with Him right now. And she's holding on to Him in reality, in heaven, in eternity. And He is holding on to her. And you can know that too. In fact, right now you can do that. As you're listening and engaging with this, you can do that on that online service. You just say, hey, I wanna give my life to Jesus. And you can do that now. So let me pray for you guys. Let me pray. Jesus, we wanna thank You that You are an incredible God. And Lord, when invasion comes, you don't disappear. When invasion comes, you step up, you step in. If only we could connect with you. And so Lord, I wanna pray for every single person who's tuned in today. God, I wanna pray for them wherever they are, whatever country they're in, whatever church they connect to. God, maybe they're not connected to any church. Maybe they don't know whether you even exist. But God, I pray that more than anything, that when this invasion comes, which has affected all of us, whether we've got faith or no faith, the rich and the poor, whatever we vote for, whatever the colour of our skin, whatever our sexuality, it doesn't matter about any of those things. This invasion affects us all. And God, I thank You that You are the God who loves us all as well. And You love the world so much, You gave Your only Son so that we could have a relationship with You and we could hold on to You and You will hold on to us. So Jesus, I wanna pray that You would bless every person, every family right now. Those who are anxious about their loved ones, those who are anxious about their finance and about their job, those who are anxious just about this whole situation, God, would You bring peace to them right now. And God, I wanna pray that in living rooms all around this place, as we sing this hymn together, it won't just be the guys on stage singing, but I pray and I believe in faith that there's going to be hundreds of us singing in our houses today. And we're going to be singing at the top of our voice and we're going to be holding on to You because You are the God who will hold on to us. So Jesus, would You come? Would You fill every single room with the sense of Your presence and Your power, I pray. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.